Today, you know, we have a number of legal issues that have been making headlines. And so I thought, you know, let's parse all of these out because they're all big profiled cases. Um, We learned that Della Millard will be tried by a judge alone. And that trial is set to start in May. And he's charged with the first degree murder of his father, Wayne Millard. Now, that was a case where it was initially ruled a suicide by shotgun. But after Tim Bosma was killed and murdered, they opened that case. And they started looking back, and that's when they realized to reopen the Wayne Millard case. That's when they laid a first-degree murder charge against Mr. Millard. That's also when they reopened the investigation into Laura Babcock, and he was charged with that. And so that will be in front of a judge alone, because there's just no way after two convictions that you could get a jury that is not tainted. And then, as we've been talking about, we've got this unbelievable information coming out of the MacArthur case. Information I... I'm going to bet, you know, the, the farm on that a crown is going to get into the courtroom and likely would rather that it did not get uh, played publicly because it will help the defense with their case. Let's bring in Joe Newberger to talk about these cases um, uh, and kind of just divide them and explain them as they fall out. Hello, Joe. Hi, I think it's a Wednesday, too. I, and I feel like I'm rambling. I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over no, again. I, I, I feel like I'm in some weird loop. I, I get it. I don't know why. It wasn't even a holiday weekend. but anyway, You know why? It's never-ending news. Someone it's, said, it's hard to keep up with the news t- these days. And I said, I, I, I can't. It's almost impossible. Yeah, I'm just fixated on, you know, the United States and trade wars. But yeah, anyways. well, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. Well, I'm fixated on, on a few things. Um, this MacArthur uh, case, just chapter by chapter, gets worse and worse. We hear from this young man or this gentleman... Uh, who bravely speaks out about his interactions with Mr. Uh, MacArthur that will forever haunt him. But what are the the issues? Are there any issues with the fact that that interview was done and that that information is out? Does that uh, compromise the Crown's case at all? No, no. I mean, this case is quite notorious. It's getting a tremendous amount of publicity in any event. Um, There's been issues with respect to the police responding to the to the community's issues and how they investigate missing persons. There's been so much out there. I doubt this. It's just a drop in the bucket. Um, this will go down in Canadian history. It's probably one of the most, most notorious cases in, in criminal law. I mean, it's we have not had a serial killer case like this, from what I can tell. For Other than ever. Mr. Pickton uh, out in NBC, but even then, I'm not even sure we've kind of reached... Um, critical mass with this particular case. So the story is still very much unwritten. Right, right. I mean, as I see it unfolding, I mean, we may well go beyond Picton. I mean, yeah. this could go way back. I mean, they're investigating missing persons now, you know, back over a decade. So, you know, where this could go, who knows? But this will be a very, very important witness for the Crown because he can essentially tell, uh, fill in all the blanks of, of uh, what the motive was. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, certainly a, a sophisticated defense lawyer will be able to use this somehow to their advantage, but it's not going to create, as far as I'm concerned, any type of unfairness for Mr. MacArthur to mount a defense or for him to have a fair trial. And, you know, given the publicity in this case, you know, there's going to have to be, I would suspect, a change of venue. This is not a case that could be heard in Toronto. 
mm-hmm. um, it would have to go to some other jurisdiction or it would be a judge alone trial like they're doing with uh, Mr. Millard. Yeah, and we'll speak to that in just a second. H- yeah. How tough is a defense to, um, I know every case is defendable, but I got to be honest, is this one of those cases that defense lawyers go, oh, God, what am I going to do with this? Well, aside from it being a practice killer, you know, yeah. this is a case that would be all encompassing. A, a lawyer, whoever's representing him, and I'm, sadly, I don't know who it is. I, I, I know he's one of the top uh, lawyers who deals with specific serial killings, but the, I don't have his name off the top of my head, but uh, I'll, I'll try oh, okay, to find that. I don't know who that is. I don't... <laughs> yeah, I mean, because we don't have that many, so okay, maybe it's one person, but. Um, you know, the top murder lawyer in Canada was, you know, John Rosen or yeah. a good friend of mine, Dirk yep. Gerstein, who does a ton of a ton of these homicides. So I, I, it's neither of them. But in any event. OK, I've got the name. It's it's Edward Royal, the firm. Oh, Ted Royal. Ted Royal. Great. Ted Royal. He used to be in Pinkowski's office. Very, very bright guy. Yeah. You know, the reality is, and he's got a team of lawyers, but this is a type of case where you're going to be all encompassed on a number of allegations. And it's going to take months and months and months of preparation and work. So it's extremely difficult. Ted's a very bright guy. And I know that he's going to go through this in a very, um, you know, detailed manner. So you, as I, I, I sort of commented before, you've got to go through each allegation and look at the circumstantial evidence and parse it out. Um, but the Crown definitely is going to be relying on the multitude of allegations, the simula- similarities, the motive, and uh, using that to try and get convictions on other charges where you have less direct evidence or less strong circumstantial evidence to help the case. What happens, I'm curious, what happens though, if we're talking going back years and decades and and around the world looking for other possible alleged victims, what if you've built your case as the crown and or you've built your case as a defense and then all of a sudden they find two or three more people and they continually add charges? Does that, um, how does that uh, challenge your well, I mean, you, you have to, you know, there's a law of diminishing returns as well. So um, ultimately, you want to put a dangerous person, if you're the crown, away. Yeah. So you're going to have to make some decisions about what really becomes practical in the end. And it may be that if you have seven counts of homicide, you're going to proceed with those. Investigations will continue. If there are other allegations of murder, you may then lay separate, a, a separate information, a separate charge, deal with it at a different time. Yeah. And not at the same time as the seven. And um, and then also, I think it's important for the Crown to look at all of the evidence and decide where their case is strongest and then proceed on the strongest counts as opposed to throwing a Hail Mary. Because the reality is the Crown has to make a judicious decision about laying charges. You don't just take a charge. Missing person, MacArthur, you know, sadly, missing person who was um, uh, in the homosexual community, uh, new Bruce MacArthur, uh, it's got to be him who killed him. You can't just link it loosely. You're going to have to look at what evidence you have, which makes certain counts extremely strong, mm-hmm. decide which ones are the better ones to go forward, which yeah. ones you may be able to link up and get convictions because of the similarities, and then decide which ones to go forth with. I, I don't think it's a great idea to throw all the darts at the wall. As a defense lawyer, you're going to pick it apart, and there are some which may be Quite difficult. So if Bruce MacArthur is taking care of somebody's home for a decade and bones of a person who has been missing 
are found in planters and all across that yard, that's pretty strong circumstantial evidence it may be Mr. MacArthur. Yeah. All right, we got to flip over to the other uh, notorious Mr. Dellen Millard, who um, was granted Judge Alone trial today. I'm not surprised by this at all. In fact, I prefer Judge Alone trials only if uh, not for uh, reportings. It just gives us a lot more freedom to actually give a full perspective of a case. We're not held back by the information we can give. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, but a judge will also consider relevant evidence as opposed to irrelevant evidence. So they will disabuse themselves of certain evidence. I mean, you'd still have that. You know, you'd still look at evidence that's admissible and not admissible. But as you said in the lead up to this, there's no way he would get a fair trial in front of a jury. And so this is the smartest way to proceed for the Crown and for the defense, because I think of the three three charges that he's faced, this may be the most difficult one for the Crown. I think so, although I'm told that they have new evidence. Um, so we'll see where that goes. And, and yeah. I know from the Tim Bosma trial, very compelling witness uh, testimony from um, an uncle of Dellen Millard, who uh, there's no love with that. So uh, yeah, there are a lot of people that will, I think, from the family side, speak out. You, you may be absolutely right, but we have to parse out what is animosity, what evidence yeah. is driven by animosity, and is it cogent, compelling evidence leading towards his guilt, or is this just simply, you know, uh, some sort of payback because we know that he's a murderer and obviously he must have killed his dad? So even though he's a twice convicted murderer, and I know the public has very little sympathy, what's great about our system is we're focused on each count, each charge, and proof beyond a reasonable doubt must prevail. He's still presumed innocent of it, so we need to be careful. Okay, this is a yes or no question because i got to get going. Yes. Ben Brofman, who's one of the top criminal lawyers in the U.S., is also representing Harvey Weinstein. He got himself into a lot of trouble when he said, quote, if a woman decided she needs to have sex with a Hollywood producer to advance her career and actually does it and finds it offensive, that's not rape. I say it might not be popular, but he is right. Yeah. So let's yeah, let's be careful about how we we say this. So, yeah, let's because there's an imbalance of power. And so. There is a rule, you know, and, and we know in Canada and, you know, in the common law jurisdictions that if there is a, if you can have an employer-employee relationship or somebody who is in a position of some authority over the other person, right. that that would vitiate consent. In other words, you would not be able to obtain consent from the person, but these are in very defined situations. So if somebody comes in and they have no relationship with Mr. Weinstein and they're just trying to do whatever they can do to get apart. So they go on the casting couch and they'll do whatever they want to do. I think the lawyer has a point to say that doesn't mean it's not consensual. It may be disgusting and reprehensible, um, but it's not technically a rape. Right. And he has a point there. Yeah. Okay. And it's hard for people to swallow. I get it. Um, but, you know, if somebody chooses consciously and voluntarily and they're not in a position where they, where the person has power over them at that time because they're not an employee, you know, yeah, it's, you know, but it's a, it's a sad way to look at it. And I don't know if I would have spoken out loud about it right yeah, now. Yeah, maybe not on that one. Pick your battles. All right, Joe, yeah. I'm super late and getting eyes from Sorry, all the people in my room, so that's okay. I'll talk to all you right, again. Alex. Always a pleasure, Alex. Take Thank care. Thank you. That is Joe Newberger uh, to break things down.